you will not know unless you're up here leading how difficult it is to multitask this new system. But we're getting it, brother, and you did an excellent job of doing it. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to be able to speak to you this morning. Um, I believe that uh, opportunities give themselves um, for, for reasons, and we were to begin a study on Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, when we had all that white stuff falling from the sky. We were to begin a series of lessons on Wednesday night, at which I'm uh, teaching on the topic of prayer. And I thought, well, let's seize the moment. We're going to talk about prayer on Sunday morning to be an introduction to our study of prayer on the next two Wednesday nights. So that's what we're talking about this morning. It's interesting that prayer comes up so much in the world and there's so many different meanings to what prayer is to different individuals in the world. We want to talk about that in detail as we go through the next couple of weeks and how we as Christians can better our prayer life. Because it is one of the most important things that we do as a Christian and that is to make our petitions and thanksgivings be known to the true and living God. I remember as a little boy, my papa, as many of you knew, he preached... He waited on the Lord's Supper table. He led singing at Big Springs for many, many years. Even when he wasn't really well enough, we stood on either side of him and held him up so that he could, he could lead singing because he wanted to. And one of the things he also did in public worship is pray. And I remember in listening to his prayers the love and humility and relationship that he had with the true and living God. There was no question that he loved God and showed that by his example that he was to all of those around him. I remind you too that he used to always love in a way that he could tell someone they were wrong. Someone that they, if they did not change their lives, were not going to have a home in heaven and they would thank him for his care. That's how much he loved other mankind as well. I knew by his example that prayer was a very important thing in the life of the Christian. Something that I wanted to emulate in my own prayers one day. And I feel like that as we go on through life and gain more wisdom and more knowledge of what God wants us to do, that our prayer life becomes better. And we look forward to the prayer life that we have with God. You know, God talks to us today through His Word, does He not? Amen? He speaks to us, the only way He speaks to us is through His Word. He doesn't come through a premonition in the, in the shower or anything else. He speaks to us through His Word. But how do we speak to God? Through prayer. I remember several of the young men that went to East Tennessee School of Preaching with me that were from New Zealand, one of the things they always said, and I remember to this day before their prayers, is they didn't say, let us pray. They said, let us talk to God. And that's exactly what we should do in our prayer. We should be talking to God. You know, when we hear someone praying, what's one of the very first things we do? We stop where we are because they're praying. 
when God is speaking to us, we should really pay attention, right? When God speaks to us through His Word and those presenting His Word, we should pay even more close attention than when we're speaking to God in prayer. You'll notice sometimes that several of us, when we pray in a public fashion, we say we boldly come before the throne of grace and mercy of God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 is exactly where we get that phrase. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Did any of you pray for your team during the Super Bowl? If you were praying for the Broncos, were your prayers answered? Now I say that jokingly to say this. Does God really care who wins the Super Bowl? Does it matter who wins the Super Bowl to God? It doesn't, does it? So God doesn't always intervene in the way we think He should intervene like praying for our team to win the Super Bowl. Now, you could see all of those individuals, uh, uh, those on the Broncos and those on the Seahawks, they were praying on the sidelines. I wonder what they were praying for. Were they praying that they won? Maybe they were praying that they did their best. And that's okay. That's okay to pray that you do your best. But did God really intervene and make the Seahawks win and the Broncos lose? No. It had nothing to do with that. Some people pray, and when they pray their prayers, they bargain with God. Have you ever heard that? They bargain with God. Well, God, if you'll let me do this, I'm going to do this for you. God, if you let me... uh, um, Get this new job opportunity. I'm going to tithe more. That's in the religious world. Tithe more. I'm going to give more to you. God, if you let me have this job, I'm going to be a better husband, or I'm going to be a better wife, or I'm going to be a better father. And we bargain with God. That's not what prayer is for. Prayer is not to bargain with God. So we want to look at a few things this morning in relationship to prayer and an introduction to the study that we're going to do in detail about prayer over the next couple of Wednesday nights. And if you have opportunity to join us on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, the next couple of Wednesday nights we'll be doing an in-depth study in prayer and we would love to have you. One other side note I wanted to make mention of this morning is some of you have gotten a, a Good News Today newsletter. Uh, There is a most wanted poster in that newsletter. And uh, I'm talking about on the back where Jerry and Tom are. Uh, Just kidding. Uh, But no, on the front of that newsletter, in all seriousness, there is something that I was not even aware of until I got the newsletter in the mail. The Gospel Radio Network. How many of you are aware of the Gospel Radio Network? See, I wasn't the only one, because nobody's showing their hand. The Gospel Radio Network. Our Good News Today program is now available on the Gospel Radio Network at thegospelradionetwork.org on 11 o'clock on Mondays. So if you would like to listen to that, you can. You can also, from your internet browser, 
Go to the gospelradionetwork.org and listen to 24-7 the gospel being preached and beautiful a cappella singing there on that network. So I encourage you to do that. You can also listen on your smartphone as a side note. But uh, I, was, I was listening, Tommy, to some of that beautiful a cappella singing and thinking, you know, this will really help me as a song leader to hear some of the songs that I don't know so that I can learn them in order to teach them to others. And so um, take opportunities like that uh, to be encouraged and to uplift uh, each other and yourself away from uh, the worship of God. The question is asked, how do we pray and what do we pray for? How do we pray and what do we pray for? Well, Christian men often are called to engage in public prayer. What are we praying for? We're praying for the body of Christ that is together in one place. So Charles, you did a masterful job this morning, as you always do, in leading us in prayer. For he's leading prayer for the whole congregation as a whole, his brothers and sisters in Christ, and making our petitions and thanksgivings known to the true and living God. So it is a great responsibility when we come up here to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are taking the body as a whole's prayers to the true and living God. On one occasion, the apostles came to Jesus with the request, Lord, teach us to pray. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. These very mature Christians knew that prayer was an important part of their lives and that they should pray properly before God. Thus, if they thought that that prayer was important to them, shouldn't we think that prayer should be very important to us as Christians today as well? Certainly we should. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 we're going to look at several verses there in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. If you'll have your Bibles or smartphones or tablets or whatever, if you'll turn there to, to those verses so that we can look at these in detail. Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What's their reward? They got seen by men. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place, and your, your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the, listen to this word, heathen do. I remember when I was in school, James Rogers beat me up because I said as the, here we go, the, the southern pronunciation of that word, the heathen do. It doesn't have an R in it, does it? It doesn't have an R in it. So as the heathen do, don't use vain repetitions like the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. The more words they use, the more eloquent they are in their prayer, they think that not only will God hear them, but everybody else around them is going to hear them too. That's not why we pray, is it? 
Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need for before you even ask Him. Isn't it interesting? God knows what we need before we even ask it. God knows what we need sometimes when we don't even know what we need. So our prayers thus should reflect these things. We must not pray to be seen of men. Our prayers must be designed for the ears of God, not the ears of men. Prayer is not to get back at those with whom you're mad. Dear Lord, help Steve to know that he's wrong and I'm right. That's not what prayer is for. Prayer is not for us to teach a sermon to God. How many of us have been guilty of this, and I certainly have been guilty of this too, quote scripture in our prayer. Your prayer is not a sermon. You're quoting scripture and prayer telling God who didn't put those divisions there to begin with of what His scripture says. God already knows what His scripture says, folks. We need to know what His scripture says, don't we? It's not to get back at people. It's not to tell God things He already knows. We, when we pray, should have a mind filled with the needs of the people and remember you are voicing them to the all-powerful and mighty God who has the power to answer prayer. We must not use vain repetitions when we pray. It's very distracting when we pray to use the same word over and over and over in the prayer because then those who are praying with us start counting how many times we've said the word rather than what the content is of our heart and what we're praying to to God. We should pray humbly and boldly before the throne of grace and mercy, making our petitions and thanksgivings be known to the only true and living God. For God knows what we need before we even ask. We should follow the pattern that the Bible has laid for us to pray. Notice, if you will, again, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Jesus speaking there, In this manner, therefore, pray. Now, some call this the Lord's Prayer, don't they? I call this the model prayer. This is in the manner in which you should pray, not the specific things you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven. Who is being addressed there? Christ the Son is addressing the Father in heaven who has power to answer prayer. Who should our prayer be addressed to? God. It should be addressed to God with emphasis on His Godhead and His concern for His children, which we are the children of God. 
hallowed be thy name. The second element of prayer is the praise and adoration of God. One of the things that we're going to notice is several things that will make it easy for you to remember what prayer is for. Acts, A-C-T-S, Acts. The A stands for adoration, respect, reverence toward that subject in whom you're praying to, which is God. C is for confession, for we're confessing that we are sinners and therefore God needs to forgive us of those sins. The only way we can come boldly and pray through confession for our sins to be forgiven is first of all be a a Christian, first of all be a child of God. And how do we do that? Well, we do that through study of God's word, hearing the word of God, having belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of our sins, stop sinning on purpose. We must repent of our sins and be buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Once we become a Christian, we are a child of God. We remain faithful to death to receive that crown of life. We then have the ability to approach the throne of God with our prayers, our adoration, our confession of sin, our thanksgiving is what the T stands for, being thankful for all those things that God blesses us for. I've tried to to help in my prayer and make my prayers better even when we're at the supper table at home of praying for the things that we should be thankful for. God, thank you for our jobs. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our home and our food. Thank you for all the many blessings that we overlook every day. Some of us overlooked the blessing of electricity. We were without power the other day for 19 hours. Some of you may have been more. I was thankful when those lights came back on. God gives us so many blessings that we should be thankful for every day. And we can let him know that we're thankful for those things through prayer. And the S in Acts stands for supplication. Supplication. That we are praying for the mercy of God. That we're praying for the, praying for the mercy of God. To humbly and earnestly pray to God. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, if you'd like to turn there, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, Therefore I exhort you first of all that supplications, that prayers, that intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for the kings and all who are in authority, that they may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We're even to, pray, even to pray for those in authority. We talked about in our class downstairs this morning about how that sometimes man's law is contrary to God's law. And which one needs to be the most important? Does God's law need to be the most important? Or does man's law need to be the most important? Well, I guess we can unequivocally say God's law is the most important. Now, fortunately, 
most of the time today, and I don't believe that it'll be that way forever, most of the time God's law and man's law agree. But when we come upon the dilemma of God's law being contrary to man's law, which law do we go by? We go by God's law, don't we? And we're seeing some of that change in the world in which we live today. Very sad thing. And that's certainly one of the things that we should pray for is that God will bring people under the correct understanding of what they should do according to His law. And we as Christians certainly can be an example to those around us. Some of the general requirements in prayer is that we should have a forgiving spirit. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14, if you'll notice there. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If I have something against a brother when I'm praying to God and it's keeping me from having the proper attitude that I should have when I'm praying for God, what should I do? I should stop praying to God and go to my brother and sister and make whatever is wrong right. Who in here likes to be wrong? I hate to be wrong. I imagine some of you do too. Have you ever been wrong? I have. Will I be again? Absolutely. Do we enjoy being wrong? No. Unfortunately, sometimes because of the society in which we live, we're wrong a lot of the times and we don't even realize we're wrong. So it's up to our brothers and sisters to encourage us in a loving way to do right. We should keep it simple. In Matthew chapter 6, again, verses 5 and 6, he says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, and that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. If you pray to be seen of men, that's your reward. You've been seen of men. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you, have your sh- uh, when you have shut your door, pray to the Father who is in a secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, this isn't talking about public prayer, is it? This is talking about your private prayer life with God and the relationship that you should have with God the Father. Taking your adoration to God, your reverence and respect to God, your confession of sin to God, your thanksgiving of the things that God has blessed you to have and the supplication that you earnestly go before God to make those things necessary in your life. We should keep it simple. We should have the humility and repentance that is necessary for our life when we approach God through the avenue of prayer. We should pray with intensity, with confidence, and unceasingly, as 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 says. I found an article. Uh, One of the things that I used to do is every time I would get a a bulletin article, and I don't do it now as well as I, I used to, I would 
I would read through all the bulletin, bulletin articles that I would get in the mail and uh, I would file them in vertical files. JC probably did this too. This is my vertical file on prayer. This file has been um, many years in the making and it's not near as thick as it should be. But this is my, my vertical file on prayer. And so I found an article from the Westside uh, Church of Christ um, bulletin from June the 1st, 1997. That was a while back, wasn't it? June the 1st, 1997. And this is entitled Unfinished Prayers. And I wanted to read it to you this morning. It has been said, man is prone to leave undone things which he ought to do and do the things which he ought not to do. Among the things man leaves undone may be his prayers. Consider the unfinished prayer. We can pray for good health, but we must obey laws of good health. I guess that leaves out me eating sausage gravy biscuits, right? We can pray for the bereaved, but we must comfort them. We can pray for wisdom, James 1 and verse 5, but we must study. We can pray for knowledge, but we must read, study, and meditate upon the word of God. We can pray for peace in the church, but we must do all within our power to have it. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. We can pray for the gospel to be spread through the entire world, but we must be the tool which God uses to spread it. Take the extra steps to make sure that you are not asking unfinished prayers. The author is unknown of that. Let us think about those things when we pray. Sometimes when prayers are unfinished, it's not because of the work of God. It's because we fail to do our work. We as Christians have responsibility to those around us. Our family members, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ, those whom we come in contact with in our everyday life, co-workers, general acquaintances, whatever the case may be, we have the opportunity to teach them by our example and teach them by the word of God. Let us, as we consider our prayer life, consider that God would have us pray humbly before Him, boldly before Him, to make our adorations, our confessions, our thanksgivings, and our supplications be known to the only true and living God. There may be some here this morning who have never responded to the Lord's invitation, who have never become a Christian so that you can boldly go before the throne of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You must hear the word of God that produces a belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God that God sent His only Son to die on a cruel cross, that through the blood that was shed there, we can have forgiveness of sins throughout our entire lives and receive that home in heaven one day. 
Repent of your sins. Stop sinning on purpose. Have that change of mind. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 30 it says, For the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands every man everywhere to repent. We must repent of our sins. Understand sometimes that we are wrong. We must confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life, an immersion, a burial, complete burial. We as Christians must remain faithful unto death to receive that crown of life. What is that crown of life? That crown of life of having life eternally in heaven one day. And we should be willing and able to drag other people there with us. Meaning, we should strive to bring as many people to heaven with us as possible so that they can re uh, enjoy the same reward in heaven one day as us. If you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation this morning, whatever your need may be, to become a Christian or you already are a Christian and you need to make your life right before God, we want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning as together we stand and as we sing.